Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I love to talk to creative people about how they do their thing and how they hang in. Uh, today, my guest is Artie O'Daly. He is an actor and also a writer and director. He's the creator of two very funny web series. The first is called Bad Boy, which has been on for quite a while, a few years, and has gotten quite a following. And he has a new one out called Sorry I'm Weird. He's about three episodes into that. And that is how I discovered him. There was an episode of that called Do You Speak Madonna that somehow I saw on Facebook or one of the... Uh, one of the platforms, and I clicked on it, and it's about gay guys talking about Madonna and how we love her, but she's also awful and does things with her grills. Like, it's all the love-hate uh, stuff that we have going on about Madonna, and I just thought he nailed it, so I did a deep dive into all the things he's done, and he's hilarious, and I thought, I want to have him on the podcast. I reached out, and we made it happen. Um, you also might have seen him on General Hospital, and he's been in shows like Modern Family. So, uh, very funny and fun to talk to. So, before we get to the interview, though, I want to remind you that you can listen to my podcast, as you always have, on your favorite podcast app. Or I'd love it if you considered becoming a subscriber to DNR Studios. That's a collective of shows that I'm part of, and for a small fee every month, you get my show two days early, plus all these other great shows. So, uh, it's just a fun way to support the show and also learn about new shows. And there's so many talented hosts on there like Tom Goss and Derek and Romaine and Adam Sank and just a treasure trove of fun stuff with a LGBTQ slant. So you can learn about that at dnrstudios.com. And uh, I appreciate the support. All right, that's enough of the plugs. And now here is the interview with Ardio Dave. Joining me now is the creator and writer and star of the web series, Sorry I'm Weird and Bad Boy, it's Artie O'Daly. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I got all of those words right. I got them all. I, I, I was I, I'm kind of like, I was like, I think I got all those words right. I'm very impressed is my point. Um, it's a great skill to have as a podcaster, <laughs> getting the words right. It's so fun to talk to you. Your show, your web series are so fun. Um, I discovered them because one of the blogs I follow posted about the Madonna sketch you did recently, or, or the short film. It's it's, it's uh, on as Whatever part you of call it. Sure, as yeah. part of Sorry <laughs> I'm Weird, and I was like, oh my gosh, who who are these people? And then I sort of discovered Bad Boy, and I reached out about doing the podcast, and here we are. So, congrats on creating great stuff. Um, Thank you, and doing it. Doing doing your own thing, right? Like like we're we're not going to wait around for the phone to ring. We're going to create something ourselves. And I know Bad Boy wasn't your first one. There was another one before that, right? Yeah, there were actually a couple before that. Yeah. But Bad Boy was the first one that actually had an audience right. <laughs> that people watched. Yeah, and it grew and became its own thing. But I've been doing making my own stuff for I don't know like eight years now. I, I I've interviewed other people like Kit Williamson and the guys that did um, Where the Bears Are. And I sure. think it's, I think it's really fun and fulfilling and hard and all of this, yeah. it's all of the stuff. And I'm sure there are days where you're like, I'm so glad we're doing this. I, this is what I'm, I'm living for this. And other days where you're like, I do not want to send another Patreon uh, or a, a Kickstarter <laughs> reward. I do not want to slip to the post office. Right. I mean, you're, yes, you're literally talking about my life because I went to the post office today yeah. to send out Patreon rewards. And one of them was going to Germany. Right. And I'm, I'm like thrilled to do it. But it's like I'm filling out a customs form for this giant print because it's just it's all like the little details that people don't realize that creators do when they're making their own stuff. Yeah, it's I think a they lot. Think it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all work. And I think like 5% play. Yeah. <laughs> but 
the content is so good and so funny and you're doing what you love and that comes across as yeah. well. So I think it's, it's all of those things. Talk to me Thank about, you. talk to me about, sorry, I'm weird. What is the, the concept of that? Cause that's part of what the Madonna short that I saw was, was a part of. Yeah. So, so to, to lead into it, I've been working on this bad boy web series for about four years and it became kind of became its own sitcom. Like it was a lot of characters, a lot of work, a lot of uh, story and plot. And I was like, I just want to do individual shorts, standalones, a sketch, whatever yeah. it is, which is kind of what most YouTubers do, right? It's like a little thing right. they can send to someone and be like, look at this video I found. You don't need like, fans. You don't need fans from Germany going, wait, in episode seven, you said he was an only child and now he has a brother. <laughs> like you don't need that. You don't need that. Right? You're, although, I'll, well, I will take it. You'll take I, I will it. Take anybody, yes. Complain right. about my work. It means you're watching. That means, I will take it, it. That means they care. I got you. But you like the totally. idea of standalone ideas. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and I've been wanting to get to this for a couple of years now. So I wrote a bunch of shorts uh, between, like, June and August and shot a whole bunch of them. And then finally I was like, you know, I, I'm just – I love organization – I like when things have a theme. I'm right. like, I need to make this into a series. So after I'd written them, I'm like, kind of, what's the commonality here? There tends to be a character that either is weird or that people are perceiving as weird. Right. So I put the umbrella title, Sorry I'm Weird, and it became a sketch series from that. Right. And, and so, and, uh, so how many have gone up so far? Two? Just two. There'll be a third one. Well, if this is going to be, this Thanksgiving weekend. Possibly, this or this, this might come out the week after Thanksgiving. I think you're being okay. bumped for Julie Haggerty is, is the point. Story of my life. <laughs> yeah, I got to interview her for the, the Christmas story movie. Yeah, so I think that's going to be my Thanksgiving holiday thing. And then I think you're yeah. uh, the first the first week after that. So A yeah. worthy bump. I a worthy bump. <laughs> you know what? There's nothing wrong with a worthy bump, right? There's not, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so there'll be three out at this yeah. point, three shorts out. Yeah, I love it. So the first uh, one of this series called is Do You Speak Madonna? And... It is like you eavesdropped on my, fr my friends and I talking about Madonna, because if you're of a certain age, and I had a, the author of uh, the Encyclopedia Madonica on a few months Ooh. ago, Matthew Rettenmund, yeah, and oh, it's sure. the thing, like, if you're a fan, you accept that she's going to annoy you, you accept that she's going to do things that you don't understand, you accept that you're going to like one out of seven songs... But you're all in. You're still all in, right? And I thought your yeah. your script nailed that perfectly. So what made you want to write about not just Madonna, but how we think of Madonna now, especially uh, gays of a certain age? Yeah, with the short, I try to tackle both Madonna, but even more specifically, the Madonna fandom. Yes. And there's a lot of elements to that where there's bickering within the fandom. Yeah. But as soon as there's someone who doesn't know Madonna, they kind of converge to defend her. Right. Whatever their feelings are, right. which is what happens in this short. And in my own life, of course, I've been a huge Madonna fan since I was a child. And my best friends, who are also tried and true Madonna fans, have really turned against her. Wow. Ever since, I would say, MDNA era. Wow. So about 10 years now. Yeah. And I'm the one that's always like, guys, you are being ageist. If yeah. this was Madonna in 1990s doing the same right. stuff, you would not care. It's just because she's old now, you think she shouldn't. Right. So we have those arguments all the time. And I've been very, very adamant about, like, we should not be judging her so so harshly. It's, I think we're being sexist. I think we're being ageist, all those things. I love it. I so agree. Stem from that. Do yeah. you feel your loyalty tested by her Instagram like I do? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Daily. 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 Thank you. It's a daily thing. But I also bought the boxed 
uh, you know, party all the, what's it called? Finally enough love, the, the three CDs. <laughs> what are you going to call it? Part, party, party all the time. Way. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't know. And I was, you know, and I was listening to it as I was getting ready or whatever. And then there was that song that was like, turn on the radio. That was yeah. not that long ago. And I was like, oh, this is kind of a cute little bop. This is, is, and I, and I'm like, I can't remember which album. Maybe it was MDNA. And she's it in was, a car. Yeah. Like, I'm like, this is so, this is not, this, I kind of like, I, I, I'm in a good mood because of this song now. So it's, it's the whole thing we've talked about. I'm sure you've talked about many times where there, she went from starting trends to chasing trends. Yeah. And when that song came out, like there, I think without you by Usher was out, it kind of had that same vibe. It didn't sound unique the way Madonna used to. So people immediately, if it wasn't original enough, they're like, ah, nah, she's a has been. Yeah. So even now we can look back and be like, that sounds actually good. Yeah. It's just because of what it was coming out up against, my opinion, at least. Interesting. You, you, I like the way you dissect these things, right? Um, Thanks. Now, I think about it a lot. <laughs> the people in your shorts are super funny, and you are as well. Are they friends of yours, or do you do castings? Like, where do you get your actors? I, they are friends of mine now, but they weren't necessarily friends of mine when I first did something with them. Right. Like, specifically in this Madonna short. One of the guys who plays Jason, I did a play with. The other guy who plays Sean, I saw in a web series and thought that a friend was in, so thought he was a good actor, so just reached out. Basically, I just look for people that I think are funny and are talented and have comedic timing, you know? But a casting call, Jesus Christ, I, I wouldn't know where to begin. Right. I mean, I wouldn't know where to begin, but, you know, submissions, and I'm, I'm not that pro. The actor's access of it all. I, I did a short yeah. once. <laughs> I've done a couple of shorts, and it was just when actor's access, when stuff was starting, and, you know, the, they would submit, and you would look at the headshots. It was kind of cool. I was kind of into it. Yeah. It was like creating your own, like, Hollywood Squares grid. It was, <laughs> I, I, was, I was kind of into it. Um, Maybe I'll try it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Bad yeah. Boy, you did... 17 episodes of that web series it kept growing no, and growing 27 27 20. okay cool. and we just shot a holiday special two days ago that'll be out in december so it, it that's why i said four years yeah i think that. uh i saw 17 on imdb but maybe i didn't click the maybe there was another button to expand Boom, yeah. it just keeps going and going <laughs> it, initially it started out as a one of or two of like what was your vision when you started doing that i didn't have a vision there was a guy that i met in a play that was new to town and wanted, like, was asking me, like, how to be an actor. Like, what what do I do? Headshots, agents, demo reel. And I'm like, well, you need footage. If you want, I can write something. I know how to shoot and edit something. What kind of character do you want to be? He's like, I kind of want to be like a bad boy type. I'm like, okay, do you want it to be funny or serious? He's like, funny. I want to be like a funny bad boy. So I molded over, came up with the idea of this guy that we think is asking, this is going to be a spoiler. We think he's asking the, this guy's daughter out for a date, but it turns out he's actually taking the dog out for a walk. Right. And, and I put it out, and I'm like, you know what? This will probably get 400 views. It's great for friends and family. It's footage for your demo reel. Great. Right. And That's in it. the first couple of weeks, it fell into the YouTube algorithm somehow and started getting the views and views and views. And I was like, what the hell? It was, it, was, it was magic for someone that's been making content for yes. years to finally have something catch on. Yes. So that's how it started. And I was like, well, we've got to try again. I made a second short, like, I don't know, six weeks later, and it hit again. So it became a series after that. Wow. There is a recurring theme where your character, Scott, a writer in L.A., kind of gets mixed up with these young younger guys that are kind of yeah. sexually fluid. It, it sort of satirizes that thing of, like, this guy is bad news, but he's so cute. So I'll let him do this thing or I'll let him do that thing or let him do like, <laughs> and I relate so much to your character. And one character is like, can I hold your breast or your chest? And you're like, no, 
okay. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, yes, that would be me. I'd be like, sure, <laughs> fine. Yes, you can have the keys to the car, like whatever it is. So yeah, as that theme emerged, was that something like, oh, I know how to make fun of this? How did, how did that theme kind of come to be something that, that was recurring? Well, you know, it was partly accidental and partly on purpose. Like, I can't help but to write from a gay guy in right. his 40s perspective, because right. that's the life I'm living. Right. Um, and I'm also single, and so there's those sorts of elements. I don't have a bunch of young, hot, bad boy types, like, <laughs> crowding around me all the time. But it became, here's what it really was. When I did that play that I mentioned, where I met a couple of these people, they were all in their 20s. It was like a frat. It was, the story was like this fraternity where I used to be in the frat. Right. And now I'm the uncle that comes back and can't let the frat life go. Right. But meanwhile, backstage, they're like, oh, you're gay. You're in your 40s. So, like, are you a daddy? Does everyone call you a daddy? And I was like, well, are you saying that? Just do I look like a daddy? Like, why are you all asking me if I'm a daddy just because I'm gay? And they're, apparently I am. Apparently once you hit a certain age and you're gay, you are. For gays of a certain age, the, when they start calling you daddy or say daddy or somebody on an app says, hey, daddy, it's a thing. You're like, wait, yeah. I don't know if I'm ready for this. I don't, I, I feel like I, it's like, it's a rite of passage and I don't know. I think other people decide for us and it's, it's a little Clearly. weird. And your character is yes. the reactions that you have throughout the web series to that idea and being called daddy. There's this running gag where people call you daddy, Scott. It, it's become sort of the, oh my God, they killed Kenny of South yeah. Park, like the thing. What has that been like to write? Has it been like fun or at a certain point you're like, I can't think of another clever way to do that. Like, what is, what is it like to have a running gag that you have to deliver on? It's, I mean, I should be so lucky. Like, it's great to have something that people caught on to, like a catchphrase, basically, you know? So I, when I get messages from people or a comment, it's always like, Daddy Scott, Daddy Scott. Right. Well, yeah, okay, cool. But when it comes time to write it into the script in a clever way, because usually what happens is someone says, hey, Daddy, and I correct them and say, Scott, and then they say, Daddy Scott, and I, I don't like it. But I don't want to just have the same joke over and over, so I try to make it a, a clever way. It gets harder the more yeah. you do it. But but know. also your at reaction as an actor has to be different than the last yeah. time because we all know how you how you must be so fed up with it now. So that has to be different. It's just, it works. It's clever. You wait for right. it. It's very satisfying. Um, and also it's like the thing is as much as he doesn't like it, maybe he also does kind of like it. Yeah, he does. You know? He likes the attention, you know, like, mm -hmm. and I relate to that. Like they're chaos agents, but they're, who doesn't want to have a fun, sexy guy running around their apartment, like yeah. go, go dancing and carrying on. Um, do you get re uh, recognized from the web series? Do people come up yeah. and say, daddy Scott? Well, yes, they never, no, I've had m multiple people say that they recognize me. Thankfully, they've never come up and just been like, Daddy Scott. Usually right. it's been like, I, I love Bad Boy, I right, love the right. series, and it's really friendly like that. But it has shockingly happened in, in multiple cities. It I was in London in May, and it happened like three times out there. And I'm amazing. like, this is amazing to be made. Guys, I live alone in my studio apartment. I use my little MacBook to make this show. I, you know, I'm not at all a successful actor, I quote unquote. But because this thing caught on and you can use the internet and there's an audience, it becomes its own thing. It's yeah. so creatively satisfying. You're the Quinta Brunson of uh, gay internet. Of the gay, yes, shorts. I am. You really are. <laughs> but it's it's funny. And so many comedies, especially even like network TV shows, aren't that funny. But I laugh I at your show. And it's the oh, rhythm. Thanks, and it's also the rhythm of the editing. Is that something that you 
that came naturally to you, or is it something you feel like you've gotten better at as you've done it, or both? I would, I would have to say it's both. I fully agree. Thank you for complimenting the editing. I think it always comes down to the edit. Well, there's you so many exchanges it. that are reaction shots or somebody says something dumb and you get a face and you're like, I don't think that's right. And then you go right back to them. Like you can't wait. Like it's, it's yeah. the timing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I, what I sense is if you were in a room with people and the conversation was naturally happening, where would your eyes go? So if someone says something, who are you going to look at to see what they thought about it? Right. And you can't cut to them too, the, the person speaking too soon because then you're anticipating that's who's going to speak. It's, it's just, should just feel very organic as if you're just looking around a room is how I view it. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I've always been very musical. I think comedy is very musical. So right. if you, if you have good sense of rhythm, I think that helps with editing comedy. Uh, I grew up watching sitcoms. I would videotape them all and just watch them over and over. And I think you're learning comedic rhythms just from viewing them and hearing Interesting. them. What you were know? your sitcom favorites when you were growing up? Golden Girls. Yeah. To this day, it Golden Girls for sure. Up. It holds oh. up. And my roommate was having a, bit, a Golden Girls renaissance uh, a few months ago. So there was one on every night and I would hear it. Yes. I would say... 75% of the jokes are about fucking on Golden Girls. Is that, a, is that number too high? Uh, I want to say it's too high. <laughs> but I, because I, I was just I, listening to it going, dirty joke, dirty joke, dirty yeah. joke, in a delightful way. But I was like, wow, the ratio, that's, that, was, that was what surprised me. And then what's the other 25%? Like age jokes? Age probably? jokes or dumb, uh, Rose's dumb jokes. Dumb. I just couldn't yeah. believe how, how naughty it was in a delightful way. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, because they're it. probably doing it in a way where you're not even realizing that you're laughing about a fucking joke. Yeah, but that's, you know, you know <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. That way, sex sells. Yeah. Just, so you, you, know? you started off doing it kind of as a lark and let's see what this does. But as you yeah. were doing it, and I've read about a little bit on your websites, you, I think you had an idea about where it fit in, in sort of gay content and representation. And you had mm -hmm. ideas about what you wanted to say with it, even in a subtle way, comedically. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, if, if, if I know what you're speaking of, it's basically that I want to present gay characters and gay stories without it being a quote-unquote gay story, right. if that makes any sense. Like this whole, this whole um, the, the, the through line of Bad Boy is really about how this guy gets wrapped up with this criminal family and there's like a murder and he's sort of falling into like sort of being a suspect but also wants no part of it, but has to be part of it because he's writing a movie about one of the guys. Like all these things aren't about the sexuality, right? but the character relationships and the humor and um, some of the themes and the pathos comes from my character's sexuality and dealing with these boys that are from Indiana. They're from like, you know, middle America, but they're all very sexually progressive. I was trying to present characters and people as I would idealize the world to be. There's no real stigma attached right. to their sexuality. They were, they were in, basically open about their sexuality since they were children right. <laughs> is, is how it's presented. So um, that, is that what you're talking yeah, about? That that it, you, you, you wanted it to be like, you wrote sort of like the world as I'd like it to be. It was something yeah. that you wrote. Yeah. The way people presented themselves and, and how other people reacted and yeah. related to them. There's no character. There's no character coming into a scene and being like, Oh, you know, I, I can't stand that that person's gay or, you know, I just had built trouble with it. Right. It's alluded to the fact that the father who is dead in the show said you could only it was a kind of a joke he's like you could only 
uh, have sex with guys until you graduate high school. After that, you you can't do it anymore. And you have to be girls only. Right. So it's like you're allowed to experiment when you're young, but you can't you can't go whole hog. Right. <laughs> and is it fun to write dumb people? Because there's yeah. a few idiots in this show, and they're so oh, yeah. funny. Every show should have a dumb character because you need someone to just be like, uh, "Are you kidding me?" Like you need someone to set for the deadpan reaction, right? To balance it all out. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like the the Phoebe, the Rose, even a Will and Grace. Karen would say she's dumb things sometimes, or just, just like, clueless things. About? Yeah, that yes. she doesn't understand how real world real people live in the real world. Yes, you know, out of touch. There's a lot of talking comedy about oh you can't do this anymore or everyone's so touchy and all of that stuff. Are there things that you brush up against when you're working on these these things where you're like, oh, we want to say that, but mm, I don't know if that's right. Or, you know, is it something you even think about? Because I think it's possible to still be funny. You just have to be smart about it. Or, or yeah. In, in other words, I don't think there's a lot of people in comedy that are like that mourn the loss of the way it used to be. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't. Uh, but I also think you it's... You don't mourn the loss? I don't mourn the loss of like, oh, it's so much more fun. Like, I I still remember, like, going to the movie theaters to see The Hangover, and they had that paging Dr. Faggot joke right in the beginning. And Billy Eichner does a little monologue about this in Bros. But I remember that feeling yeah. of, like, this is the number one movie in the country, and these are sort of, like, the hip comedic minds, and they... And that... Ha- that Am I missing something? Like, it felt crummy. So, not that yes. you would do something like that, but does that ever come up? That's not my kind of humor. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even entertain that sort of joke. Or if when I'm writing, I realize a joke might offend somebody. Right. That's never my intent. In, in fact, in, when I write something, the character can make fun of himself or it's, or it's like, you know, it's, it's kind of like golden girls insults where they make fun of the character for being the character. Right. But there's never going to be some cheap shot where they call someone an insult. And we just think it's funny because it's an insult. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like yeah. your 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 natural instincts don't tend to go to, to to push those those lines. So No. I think it's probably because what you're speaking of because I also remember growing up in the 80s and the 90s and watching a movie with my parents and inevitably the comedies back then would have some sort of gay joke. And granted I wasn't out in the 80s or most of the 90s, but I would bristle knowing that it that it, it was about me inside and it made me feel uncomfortable. So I think I've got that programming in. So when I'm writing something, I think, is someone gonna out there going to watch this and be like, this isn't funny to me. This is hurtful. Yeah. I have no interest in that. What's something that's surprising that's come out of these projects? Have you met random people, you said, in other countries? Like, what's something that, like, if mm-hmm. I didn't make Bad Boy or this, I wouldn't know these friends or I wouldn't have this? Like, how, what are the unexpected things that have come out of it? Dennis, it's, it would make me cry to talk about it because I know it's just a web series and I know it's it's just a, it's small potatoes, but it, it all has, it's become my life getting to create yes. this content and it's connected me to granted people all over the world. I do live streams typically once a month and there's regular people that come and so I don't get to see them face to face, but there's like chat that happens on the side of a, of a YouTube live stream and you can interact with them and people want to donate to make the shows happen and buy the props for it. And it's just become like, um, a community that outside of like my closest friends, like I never had a big circle of gay friends or I never really found a way to form a giant family, quote unquote, but outside of my own family. And I never, ever saw that coming from making a video for YouTube. 
never predicted it. And it's been beautiful. And that's, I, I think that's also what keeps it going. It's, it's fans, right? It's people yeah. that are invested. They become invested in you. They want to help you. They want to see you succeed. And it's, it's overwhelming because it's being directed at me. And I'm like, wait a minute, guys. <laughs> like, I don't, <laughs> I wasn't asking for this. I didn't know this was going to happen, but I'm so grateful. It's, it's those people. That's wonderful. What happens on these live streams? Do you do like Q and A's or do you share scripts or like, what are they like? It started out like I had a boyfriend at the time. He's like, you should do a Q and A. He was, he was younger than me. He's like, this is the hip thing to do. Like go on YouTube and do a Q and A. Right. So Ask before me like, anything as the kids say. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I would do like these pre-recorded videos. And then finally I was like, well, I should switch to a live format. And I thought it would be like 30 minutes. I end up, it goes for like three or four hours. It's just talking. We have, it's like a Sunday fun day, like bring a drink. Maybe we'll watch the latest bad boy. You can ask me questions. I can show like bloopers from it. And then we just talk about what's happened over the month and it flies by every time. And you do it once a month. Typically, yeah. Yeah. It's usually the last Sunday or the first Sunday of the month, but it, it varies. I love yeah. it. And, and, and how many folks show up from all over the world? Yeah. All over the world. It gets to about like 150 now, which is really great for me. And people come and go. So if it's going for like three hours, it's kind of like an open house. You can stop by and be like, they're like, well, it's 5 a.m. where I am. So I got to go. I'm like, okay, see ya. And what are your fans like? Are there, are, are they mix of gay guys and women? Like who, who are your, who are your diehards? I would be interested to know this for you too, because for me, it's like 90% gay men for yeah. sure. And then, the, then there'll be a woman that pops in right. who's either just loves gay guys or doesn't care about what the sexuality is just like right. for comedy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. She's into it. Yeah. It tends to be that. And, um, I would say mostly my generation, at least that come to the live streams, maybe older as well. Um, with a few youngers that pop in yeah. and I used to teach. So every so often a student will pop in and be like, Mr. O'Daly, do you remember me? Yeah. You, you subbed for my eighth grade class. And I was like, Oh, hello. I'm getting drunk on YouTube. So maybe you should go now. <laughs> That's so random. So you, yeah. you would teach, um, regular school, not, not like acting classes necessarily more like I regular. did both. Yeah. Two separate things, but yeah, right. I've done both. Right. Yeah. And you would see your, your former students pop up. That's wild. Yeah. Not that I don't want that, but they yeah. do do that. They do do that. They're fans. They're grown-ups. They, they can do. watch a little web series and all that. Yeah. If somebody but, was a creator like yourself and came to you and said, I want to do something like this, what would the boot camp be? What would you talk to them about? You know, I always try to keep it real with this because I know a lot of people, a lot of people have the ideas or say, this would be so fun if, but I don't think everyone has the, the work drive to do it. It's a ton of work. A ton of work, which means you also need a ton of time. You have to really want to do it. And also, you do have to have skills to do it. You can't just think, oh, this would be fun. I can do it. Right. Because it's not easy. Yeah. So I always say start with something super small. If you want to try it, make like a two-minute short. Write it. Shoot it for real. Edit it. See how it comes out. See if you can, if you even enjoy doing it. And then right. go from there. Do you have a room in your place or a closet with tons of equipment? Like, where's your, where's your production thing? I mean, you could see my bed in the reflection right. and my couch. It's a studio apartment. I have right. no space in here. So, <laughs> thankfully, a friend of mine named Jamie Hobart, he was actually my roommate 20 years ago. And then we got back in touch later in life. It's kind of a long story. Um, he's, he films weddings. And so, I was friends with his wife. His wife was, said, you know, Jamie shoots weddings. I bet he would shoot one of your shorts sometime. I said, that would be amazing. 
we did it. He enjoyed it because it wasn't just shooting a wedding. It was doing something creative. Right. And that was in 2019. And now we do it all together. So he, he came on board as after I was already using other people. And because we have a good chemistry, we do it. But he's got the closet with all the cameras. Got, the lenses, yes, that's the boom mic. It works yeah. out. So I've been very fortunate. It's, it's really funny how, you know, what's that saying? It's like if you... Oh God, I'm going to, I don't even know the phrase, but it's something like, if you want something, the universe conspires to help you get yeah. it. It's, Paraphrasing. But you've experienced that feeling of it's like, been, I, I started this ball rolling and I feel like hands are coming along to help me. Something I've learned in my life, people want to be a part of something. They want to yeah. be part of something creative and yeah. they will, they will go out on a limb for you or they'll show up and donate their whole Sunday to be an extra in a thing to help you because they, oh. they, I think they, it's inspiring to be around something creative and to be part of something creative. I think I've, I've, it is. That. yeah, there's an energy that comes with it. I mean, and Hey, I mean, I'm, I am not comparing myself to her, but in the same way that fans of Madonna, we will do anything for her. Right. You know what I mean? I would devote my, a week if she wanted me to go somewhere and to, right. to help make something or, you know, I will buy her products. I will do the thing just because I love her. And even now when sometimes the product isn't necessarily what I love, I'm still going to support it because it's her. She's well, and she's it. still doing it. She's still, yeah. she's not like I'm going to do an album of standards and like, I'm still trying to do the thing. And that's, I love it. I love it. Um, People say that all the time. I don't, I would not hate if Madonna did an album of standards. I would hate if she did it because she thought she had nothing else to give. Right. But I love her voice. Right. I, I remember like the Dick Tracy songs. Yes. Her album, you know, the sooner or later and all that. Yeah. Like, she sounds great. Like, yeah, please give me some yeah. Cole Porter. I want to hear it. Yeah, I, I think that's a good idea now yeah. that I mention it. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she's still like an artist. She's not judging on it. She's not judging on the voice or whatever. Like, she's still trying to to uh, to to be a recording artist, which is cool. You have Madonna's yeah. uh, albums in the background. Thank I was you. at a friend's the other night, and they happened to have on Madonna at Live Aid doing Into the Groove. Have you watched this okay. clip in a while? You know, I might have actually. It's when she has like the reddish brownish. She's got hair, brownish right? hair, and they're doing tambourines, two backup boys, yeah. and she does like "Love Makes the World Go Round." Yeah, as well. I just yeah, yeah, yeah. I just watched Into the Groove, but there was a joy in her performance that I haven't seen in a while, and I was like, "Oh yeah." She looks like she's having a ball because normally she's like, "I got to get it right, I got to get it right." Like there's a sort of control. There was something exuberant about it that I found thrilling and i hadn't seen in a while and i was like oh yeah i remember that so anyway i fully agree worth yeah, a, so worth the, joy, the joy this joy in the movement exude. and the tambourines were flying and uh anyway madonna side we went on a madonna side track oh uh, yeah sorry. how has <laughs> now you work in hollywood you've appeared in different shows and, and act how is doing this affected that world is there is there overlap do people see your web series and say hey come in and read for this show or do they exist in two different worlds? Thus far, they've existed in two different worlds. And I don't know if that's because it's a gay web series, so perhaps it's niche and doesn't come across everyone's radar. Although a lot of casting directors in Hollywood are gay guys. It is so weird. perhaps they're aware of it. <laughs> I, I've never gotten a reading from it. Yeah. It's like a broad entry. I think there's a thing that happens, because I've made a lot of shorts for Outfest and, and gay stories, and I feel like... The powers that be sometimes don't see them as 
comedies or mm. they're, they're their own thing. They're like, you didn't make a film, you made like a hat or something. Like they don't connect the dots. Like, oh, he's funny in this thing. I bet he would be funny in this office sitcom or whatever it is. And I'm not just speaking for myself. I think it, I see it happen with other people. I, I don't know what that is. They, they appreciate it, but they're not connecting the dots in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it's still seen as a lower tier for some reason. Right. It's something else. Like I once interviewed a filmmaker who made a really great first feature and, uh, I had him on the podcast to talk about it. Played a lot of festivals. It was gay, but it was, it was, it was really good and showed a lot of skill. And he had an agent and he had another project that they were shopping that was more of a mainstream action movie, like a, a, a totally different kind of movie. And there was some buzz around it. And his agent would say, well, I, I sent that to this actress and, and she loves working with first-time directors. And he's like, I'm not a first-time director. I made this other movie. But the, his own agent kept acting like the gay thing didn't happen. Right? And I was like, it's his own person. And it's a good thing. It is weird. I think there's a thing where people don't, they think of it as something else. I'm not, I don't know. But, yeah. Well, I think there's also a stigma attached to it because in the 90s, probably the 80s, it's for the longest time, a gay independent film was probably going to suck. Like the production quality was probably going to be bad. Right. It was going to either be like a coming out story or a, an, an aid story, which is fine. There were these stories, but it became a very thing where like, oh, if it's a gay thing, it's going to be. You've seen one, you've seen them all. Exactly. Right. And it has certainly grown from that. And what I strive to do, as we talked about already, is something that is not that, where it's very, I would consider, I, I try to do it that if someone who was a big studio guy were to watch my show, they'd be like, that could easily be a sitcom. That's yeah. what I try to do. Yeah. But if that, but to answer your question, that has not happened. I, and I think it's because it's gay. I don't know what Personally. it is, but I That's think creatively I think. you're succeeding. I would be like, hire that guy as a writer, hire that guy as an actor, hire that other guy as an actor. Like, I think that as talent wise, it is there. I'm laughing. That's, you know, you, you don't, you don't fake that. So I'm very interested in how those parallel worlds work. And I, I've interviewed like Kit Williamson, who did Eastsiders. And uh, the, the, the where the bears are guys. And I, it does seem to sort of exist in this parallel world, but it's still worth it, right? Yeah. And I guess I should also elaborate. When I say I think it's, it's because it's gay, I also think people won't click on it assuming it's going to be bad. Right. If they see it's like an LGBT short or something, like, ah, no, you know, pass. Why, why even give my time to it? Yeah. But I, I, don't know, I don't know how you convince someone otherwise, except they have to see it with and, and, and decide for themselves. Yeah. And, and sort of get hooked yeah. on it. Like I did. Um, yeah, you, you were on general hospital recently or not that okay, long ago. Up. How many eps did yeah. you do? Are you well, still on it? They brought me back. No, it's not, it's not a regular thing. It's yeah. been a, become a recurring character. I, right. I was on it in three separate years for like little, little stints. And I was yeah. watching some of the clips. It's funny. Like they let you be it funny. Is. And yeah. I was like, Oh, I like a soap with some humor in it. What, what's, what's it like to work on that show? hard scary intimidating but so fun yeah <laughs> thrilling but jesus christ like thank god but the first time i went i asked a friend of mine who had done general hospital before she's like just so you know you get like one take it's super fast there's no craft service like come prepared it's go 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 and i was like oh. bring a sandwich <laughs> yes exactly. they literally said there's no craft service at general hospital 
And there's, I mean, there's like a coffee area and there's lunchtime, but there's no like spread. There's no red vines there's to go nibble on during the thing. No. Wow. I mean, <laughs> those soaps are just hanging on. Do you, did you get to do the moment at the end of a scene where you have to hold that beat because they're going to commercial, but you kind of have to simmer? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Did you get oh, to yeah. do any of those? Yes, I was never like simmery though. You know what think. I'm saying. You kind of have to hold yes. it because they, they gonna... hold it on your face. Yeah, because something just happened. Right, and, you're not and they're going to say the next line. Like because they're going to a commercial. Like, kinda... Yeah. Uh huh. So you had a few yeah. of those. I did. Like there was a, there was this last one I did because I play a bartender slash actor who like locals hire because I will basically do anything. Right. And so I get involved in their schemes. Like they'll hire me to pretend to be someone else and do this thing so I can you know, pull a fast one on this other person. Like in one episode, they, somebody hired me. It's, it's ludicrous, but someone hires me to send a picture of my dick to a gay guy. So I could break up this gay couple for some reason, why they needed to hire someone to send a picture of a dick. Right. I don't know. Like send your own. Like, yeah, you can't find, there's no dick pics on the internet. You really have to hire somebody. You have to get a real good, real guy. Yeah. That was so, a plot line on general hospital, a dick pic. Yes. I got to check back in in Soapland. They really edged they it cut, up. They cut to like, they cut to like the guy getting his phone. He's like, he's like, what's this message you just got? And he's like, like that. And they cut to me like getting paid. Like I'm counting the money that I just got. And that to me, sister. that to me says that's a good dick. That's a solid dick. If it's going to break up a love story on a soap. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's, imp- it's gotta be, you know, formidable. That's all I would yeah. tell you. It's a compliment is the point. Um, well, you can imagine how my audition was. Yeah. <laughs> I got the part. <laughs> you got the part. Um, <laughs> all right. You picked some questions from the observation deck. I'm going to throw those in here. Descri- oh, yeah. Describe a memorable encounter you had with an animal. Okay. This was, I don't know, like 20 years ago, but I was trying to go to a friend's birthday party at her apartment building. And it turns out that there were duplicate apartment buildings across the street from one another. Okay. So as opposed to going west, I went east. And I went to this apartment building, and it looked like a ghost town. There were no lights on. I was walking around. I was knocking on the door that I thought was her door. No one was answering. And I'm like, what is going on? And I looked down, and this cat has come out. And it's sort of like checking me out. And right. you know, the cat not checking me out. But it's like, you know, who are you? Right. And I'm like, hey, hey cat. Like, so I'm glad there's some sort of life in this place. And then as I go to ring the doorbell, it starts to attack me. And I literally went and rang the doorbell. This is after it's escalated for a few minutes. I ring the doorbell and the cat jumped up and grabbed onto my arm. Oh my gosh. Don't ring the doorbell and like pulled my arm down. Wow. It was getting so, it was like, it was mad. This this cat cat did not want you to go to this place. Did not want, and coincidentally, the person's apartment, her name was Cat. With a K. Maybe there's there's only one, there's only room for one cat in this scenario, and it's going to be me, the actual cat. (laughs) So what was the cat's deal? Did you ever figure it out? I don't know, but it got so, no, I ran. But while this was happening, I I thought, do I have to kill this cat? It got so scary because it would not leave me alone. And I'm running around where there's nobody, there's nobody here. Nobody to witness it. Like this is happening. Like so then I finally like like fuck it. I'm not going to this built to this birthday party and I leave and then I look and I'm like, oh, there's the same building across the street, which was fully lit up, and I went and the cat was there, and I'm like, oh, I almost had to kill a cat across the street because it tried to kill me. <laughs> Maybe the cat psychically knew you were in the wrong place and was just trying yeah. to send a message. No. The cat was the bitch. The cat- <laughs> Crazy bitch. <laughs> It felt primal, though. Like, I, I never felt that instinct where I'm like, this might be, like, it's animal you or me. animal right now. Yeah. yeah. It's you or me. 
Um, all right. But the cat is fine. I didn't, I didn't touch it. Here's a, just for the record. a question you picked. What's the worst time you ever had in a theme park? Last year, went to Disneyland. Disneyland's going downhill, guys. Uh-oh, what what's happened? going on? It was for my birthday. I almost hate to talk about it, even though I picked the question. But it was, it was granted it was COVID, so there were the restrictions and sure. all this. You know, that's, that's not ideal. But, like, to, if you wanted to eat, you can't just go to the, up to a window and order a burger anymore. You have to pre-order it in the app. Wow. So we went and pre-ordered it, and we couldn't get a burger for, like, 90 minutes. And I, so let me start the story by saying I'd gone out for my birthday the night before with a couple of friends of mine. We got drunk, so I was a little hungover. I'm meeting my mom at Disneyland first thing in the morning at Disney. It's packed. It's crowded. It's hot. Uh, all I want to do is eat. Yeah. And by the time I finally want to eat, we're like, fine, let's get a burger. We couldn't find a burger place. We go to the cast member. He, the cast member said, I don't know where to get a burger. I'm like, you work at Disneyland and can't tell me where to get a hamburger? Yeah. So I went on. I found a burger, ordered it. It's like, you can pick it up in, at 3 o'clock, and it was like 1.30. I'm like, oh, I can't get a fucking burger night. at Disneyland. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, so, it's rough. That so, is indicative of how the whole day was. Yeah. That's over and over yeah. again. Birthday shit show at Disneyland. Yeah. No, Birthday sometimes I can't. All right. And here's uh, the third question you picked. What gift that you received do you most vividly remember unwrapping? Okay, Very well, holiday-themed. Actually... Yeah. It, it, holiday-themed. Well, in this case, it's birthday-themed. We'll sure. just say it's Christmas. No, it's okay. I, it was, you can actually see this video clip on YouTube because I posted it because years ago because a friend of mine was obsessed with it. I'm like 10 years old, obsessed with Janet Jackson at the time. Oh. So I'm obsessed with Janet Jackson. Yes. And I really wanted to get her videotape of control the videos. Yeah. It was like nasty and yeah. what I think of you. Yeah. So I'm opening up my last gift and I open it and it's not the tape, but it's, it's like, um, what is it when you pre-order something and you get, I guess it's a pre-ordered certificate or something. Right. I open up, but I, my little 10 year old boy, gay gasps. It's like, oh, it's a video. <laughs> like it's the queerest thing you've ever seen a child do. And then I pause and I'm like, how come it only costs $10? Like, I knew the price was twelve ninety five. Yeah. I still remember to this day. So first I gay gasped that I got the Janet Jackson video, and then I quizzed my mom as to why she got it for less than it was actually priced. So I vividly remember this. And what what was the the reason? If you, you got a discount if you pre-ordered it or just got the certificate? <laughs> well, you hear my mom's voice. She's like, that was a deposit. I have to pay the rest when I pick it up. I'm wow. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Did that one have pleasure principle? Did it have pleasure principle on it? No, you uh, had to buy Control the Videos Part 2. Right, because Pleasure Principle is late in the um, run of that album. I'm so... That, this is my era. We could just go on forever. Um, Black Cat, that which is, oh. which is Rhythm Nation. Yeah. I mean, I did choreography to that and dance class. Like, it's did those, you really? Yes. Even she didn't really do choreography um, much. I went a to a, a jazz class, and, and there was, it was chair choreography. And like the, um, miss, the miss you much chair choreography. It was similar to that. It was that cane back chair thing, and I learned a section of it from this great choreographer. And then I was working on a cruise ship, and then we were doing a cruise show. And I was like, you know what? We're going to do Black Cat. I'm going to take that little, you know, four counts of eight and turn it into a whole thing. And me and my friend Monica worked for days and days and days on this choreography, and we crushed it to Black Cat. Did it one time, no mistakes. It is my dance highlight of my life. I was like, yeah. They can't take that away from me. That is my bad yeah. boy. They can't take that away from me. It exists. <laughs> we did it. Yeah. Do you but have yeah. a tape of it? 
I feel like I do, and I might have posted it at some point. I might have to dig back in. Yeah, we were. It was booty shorts, like. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? The black cat. I know. That's hot. I know. Black cat would be like a good stripper song. It's got that hardcore. Also, I think it was a remix of it. I don't think it was the album. It was a cool remix of it back in the day. Oh, that era. I bought all those. I've got all those twelve-inch singles. That's all the remixes. So good, so good. Um, So tell people how they can find out about your stuff. Tell people where they need to go. Obviously, YouTube. Yes. So the easiest thing is to search "bad boy comedy series" or "bad boy arty." My name is not the easiest to spell, but it's A R T I E O apostrophe D A L Y. But uh, yeah, "bad boy comedy series" on YouTube will help you find "bad boy." Sorry, I'm weird. Series will help you find the new sketches. I'm Artie O'Dealy on Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, TikTok, all those, all those fun things. And Bad Boy is ongoing. Uh, it's it's keeping going. Yeah. So so there was a season finale in May that solved right. like the murder that was through this first season. I right. needed a break because I was burned out. We yeah. just shot this holiday special, which will kind of be a standalone ish sure. in December. Then I'll pick it up in 2023. Wow, you're excited. Oh yeah. Well, I'm also like knowing how much fucking work it's going to be. Right. But. What else am I going to do? Be back in the classroom? Like, I would rather do this mountain of work than anything else. Than 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 teach and stuff like that. And you and you do yeah. make some money from it. Yes, yes. yes. I basically make what I made teaching was was not much. I can live. I can live in my apartment off of it. But I'm yes. not buying a house anytime soon. You're not buying a house, but maybe it'll <laughs> get picked up and you'll end up on some streamer thing and doing your thing. Um, Look, the fact that the first one became a thing and then I made this show for four years, it goes to show you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Just do it. Just do it. Like, I was having this conversation just recently. A friend of mine is uh, a makeup artist, and Mm. he was trying to do things that would generate more things. And he was kind of like, is this worth it? Like, I'm doing this demo. I'm not getting paid for it. And is it that, that kind of like all the work you do to try to get more work or try to open doors? And it was that question of, is it worth it? And I was like, yeah, you got to do it. You're either doing your thing or you're not doing your thing. At the end of your yeah. life, you're going to be, did I do my thing? Or did I, or was it like, oh, that was going to be a lot of work and I wasn't going to pay a lot of money, so I just didn't do it. No, I don't think you got to do it, right? And it's good to question it. And yes. then the questions still come up. And, and right. when I feel tired, depressed, I'm like, is it, why am I doing all this? Is it worth it? Yeah. No one's going to watch it. No one cares. But then you have to remember, okay, if you, are you doing it for yourself? That's a good enough reason. Yeah. Are you doing it because you want to prove that you can do something because you can have, so you can have it for the rest of your life? Does it make you happy? Those are the real reasons. If you can't think, oh, maybe I will then get a big break off of this. Granted, I hope for that. Right. But that's not the reason to do it. Right. It's too much work otherwise. Right. That's not what keeps you going. It's too elusive. No. Um, and, and again, it's, as we spoke of earlier, it's the people all around the world that will watch it. Even if it's a few hundred people, like that's amazing to yeah. me that a few hundred people would want to watch something I make. Hundreds, thousands, I don't care what it is. Somebody wants to see something I made, that's a good enough reason. I love it. What's your favorite part of it? Is it the acting? Is it the editing? Is it the writing? Like what part do oh, you love? Oh, it's the acting. It's, the it's acting shooting it, for acting it. Sure. Yeah. 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 Granted, these, these days of shooting it, I can't have as much fun because I'm also like directing it and, I'm, and th- we don't have a crew. It's, yeah. There's a camera guy, the sound guy. And an actors, and sometimes an assist. Right. There's no script supervisor. No, I'm like the, I'm the prop person. I'm the craft service person. Right. All that. You wear a lot of hats. <laughs> so, I I, love, yeah. But you probably have better craft service than General Hospital, or is For it? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> every time I, I every time every time I think of General Hospital now, I'm just going to think of a lonely table where there could be red vines, but things just got too no. tough. It's too There's tough. A coffee maker in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> bring your own. Bring your own beans, though. There are hair make. There's hair and makeup, though. Hair and makeup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Gotta have yeah. that. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, on my show? No. Or General Hospital. General Hospital. General Hospital, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not on, my show. Not on your show. <laughs> Everyone looks good, though. It looks good. It looks slick, Thanks. and there's fun music. It's it's it's, it's a it's a class act. Hard. Yeah. It's so and it and it shows. Um, I noticed on one of your bios, you visited the set of Love Boat. Yes. What's the story? Yes. I was, and I think this is what turned me on to the whole world of television production. My dad's close friend, one of his best friends since they were teenagers was a cinematographer on lots of great shows that you've definitely watched, right. like The Love Boat, Murder, She Wrote, Will and Grace, Perfect Strangers. He worked on classic... His dad did, like, Bonanza. Like, they are solid television uh, professionals. And as a kid, I was like, I don't know, five or six years old, Tony was his name, invited my dad. I was like, hey, why don't you bring the family to The Love Boat set and they can see how we, like, shoot things. I remember clear as day watching them film, like, the scene where they're all, like, waving goodbye yeah. as the boat undocks or the bon voyage yeah bon voyage exactly i sat on that big staircase that would that you'd see in the entryway yeah we walked around like where the pool was and it was just i was so in awe of everything that was happening and ever since then and i think it was that same year i wanted to become an actor and i asked my parents for an agent for christmas and they, they were like, I don't, we don't know how to get you an agent. Like, that's right. not happening. I've been but doing that. I've been doing that every, every year for the last 30 years. It never works out. <laughs> but, um, wow. I love that you were savvy enough to ask your parents for an agent. Where was the set of Love Boat? Was it just in the, some soundstage in LA? I think it was Paramount. Yeah. Interesting. Paramount. So God, I wish you knew you were going to ask because I, I, I still have the call sheet. Oh my gosh. Do, do yeah. me a solid. And I hate do me a solid. Who am I? You That's just stupid. said it. Though, I can't so back up. If, if I were in Bad Boy, that would be a running gag. No one had ever let me live it down. It's a thing. So, <laughs> send, take a picture of it and send it to me, and I'll post it with the podcast on my on the on the homepage, so you, people can see I the totally call will. sheet. You stole the call sheet from Lumboat? Well, it wasn't a theft. I'm sure yeah. Tony gave it to us as like yes, a souvenir. Of course. And then I forgot about it, and then I came across it in my dad's garage. I don't know, a few years ago. I'm like, oh my god, that day. condition. It's the call sheet from the Love Boat that one day. Yeah. Were your parents into your creative dreams? Were they like, oh, you should pursue something more uh, reliable? Or were they like, no, go for it? They've never deterred me from it. They're not creative people. I was right. sort of the lone duck in the family in terms yeah. of wanting to do this kind of stuff. Me too. But, I, yeah, they never, they never said you shouldn't. Right. But they, never, they, they also never tried to find a way to do it for me. Like, I've had to figure it all out on my own, which is fine. Like, that's yeah. being a person in the world. But One thankfully, the- they were supportive. One of the few real conversations I had with my mother about my pursuits was, I, I do remember her saying she felt bad that she didn't have any connections. Like, she, yeah. she was like, I wish I knew, because she sort of understood that that matters, or could matter. And she was sort of oh, like, yeah. I'm so sorry, I don't, I, you know, I don't know anybody. Yeah, I remember her saying that. Ditto, ditto to my parents. They yeah. never were like, they never said like, oh, we're not, it's on, you're on your own kid. It wasn't yeah. that, it was just... They also didn't really know what to do. Or they may, maybe they would get, like, a card from somebody, like, oh, my friend at work knows someone who's an agent. I got their business yeah. card. And then I'd look it up, and I'm like, well, this isn't relevant at all to what right. I want to do. But they didn't know, you know. Yeah. They always tried their best. Now, do you, do you have an agent now? 
I do. Yeah, yeah I, I figured because you're doing General Hospital and things like Modern Family and all these other shows. And so you got your what you wanted. You got what you wanted eventually. I guess so. Yeah. yeah it's in, it in, in perhaps not the same form, you know. I always wanted to be on a sitcom. Right. I just had to make it myself. You just had to make it yourself. Um, I'm going to. I'm going to maybe make that the title of this episode because I thought it was kind of summed up everything. I also read that you visited the set of Perfect Strangers. Is that right? Yeah. That's the same guy, Tony. So fun. Although that's a three-camera like studio thing, so it's a different yeah. vibe than The Love Boat. I remember I was a page when I first came to L.A. I was a studio page, so I would usher in people to see different sitcoms, and that was one of the ones. I, it was, I hadn't thought about it in, in many, many years, and I saw that in your bio. I was like, oh, wait, I think I ushered people in to see that. I may have ushered Shut you. Up. I don't know. But, yeah. Uh, that would be wild. Yeah, with Balky. Only- I mean, I remember the episode. It was like they were playing poker. Like, mm. I think Balky or someone gets obsessed with poker. You don't I don't know. That, probably, but, yeah. Do you remember the celebrities that were on Love Boat when you were watching? Well, apart from calls? Oh, apart from the regular cast. But regular do you remember? Cast. Yeah. I did not remember until the call sheet. Jessica Walters was one of them. Wow. Remember from Rest of Development? Yes. You know, yes. So she was a guest on the show at the time. The rest, I forget. I have to look. I'll find it and send it to you. But I remember meeting the gopher. And um, I think, who was, what's her name? The Jill? Was that Yeah, Jill Whalen. Yeah. Yes, her. I remember meeting those. I remember seeing them in front of me as a child and being like, oh, my gosh. Amazing. Yeah. But it sort of, yeah. it sort of lit you up in a way that, like, kind of set you on a course. Uh, yeah, yeah. Inspired. I mean, look, I'm like I'm 46 now, and I can remember the feeling of meeting the Gopher and being super excited. Yeah. So I think I've been chasing that high ever since. I love it. <laughs> um, what's your favorite Madonna era? Wonderful question. I, I, Christ. Blonde ambition is very significant in my life and in my, um, you know, evolution. So I would have to go with that. You know. Yeah. And does, does, for you, does that include Like a Prayer and I'm Breathless? It's sort of the Blonde Ambition tour, Truth or Dare, uh, a little bit Vogue, a little bit like, because 1990 was Dick Tracy, but I don't yeah. think of Dick Tracy. I have no connection really emotionally to the movie, but Vogue is a big deal. But that Vogue. tour that yeah. when she was doing all of those magazines for Truth or Dare, I was working on a cruise ship and I would just go by like, you know, Carrie Fisher interviewing Madonna in Rolling Stone. And it was just like, yeah. I wanted, I auditioned to be a, a dancer in Blonde Ambition, did not get it, but she was there. And what? It, yes, it's <gasps> true. I talk about this in every episode of this podcast. My listeners are like, we get it, Dennis. You auditioned for Madonna. But I wrote a story about it because it was so funny to me and interesting. And, like, I was so into the idea of it. And I got it published, and that started my writing career. So Madonna rejecting me was a big deal. Um, But, yeah, that era, she really captured my imagination during that era. So, I, yeah. I guess I would probably, I mean, I cert- I, in terms of iconicness, you can't beat the blonde ambition era for Madonna. Yeah. I think that's, that's when she's long gone, that's the Madonna we will consider Madonna. Right. But I always, I also think that's what she sort of became. I became a fan of her because before that I was sort of too young. Yeah. Like my sister liked her like true blue and like a virgin, but I wasn't really clicking. Yeah. But when like a prayer came out, that's when I was like, Oh, this, this album's mine. So, that album's yeah. really one of her best. And it smells like patchouli. Whenever I, um, I was I candle shopping recently to make candles, and they had patchouli, and I was like, oh, this is the Like a Prayer CD. Oh, yeah. Madonna's vagina right in my face. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's the jeans. Right. So imagining. Yes. <laughs> For sure, because she had those, those cut-off jeans. That album was so good, though. So good. Anyway. It's perfect. We digress. Perfect. We digress. Um, can, I, what, what, can, I, can I digress on it? Yeah, please go, what do you keep think going. Of, what do you think of Love Song? 
on like a, a prayer. The Prince collab. Yeah. Not the best, but you gotta, you gotta, I'm glad they work together, right? So yeah. I would rather have them have done it than not. On Like a Prayer, I like Del Death Do Us Part. I think that's really great. Um, okay. Dear Jesse, that sort of kaleidoscopic, da, 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 yeah. da, like beautiful. Um, would you put Like Love Song as track three? No, nah, I would bury it deeper. Yeah. What do right? you think? Yeah. For sure. I would always, because you listen to it on vinyl when it came out, and I'm like, oh, i got to skip this one now. Like, it's yeah. right in the middle of the, the, the side. Yeah. And it's, you just had to express yourself. And right. then Love Song isn't really, doesn't really have a hook, per se. Yeah. It's a cool groove, but, man, it's, it's, it throws you off. No. I would yeah. put it, I'd put it at the end. I think there are Album times closer, with pop stars when they do a collab, but the, the song doesn't turn out as great as some of their other stuff, but you got to have that collab. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so you got to legends. Yeah. They're legends. I read that Patrick Leonard, was it Patrick Leonard that did that song where he was like, I, I kind of, I, or maybe it was Stephen Bray. I forget which one it was. He was like, I produced it more, but they didn't go with that. They like scaled it back. And he's like, I wish I could have done the sound I wanted for it. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. I'm also a big fan. A little underbaked. I'm a big fan of the Confessions era. I feel like that album was amazing, delicious. Uh, And the tour. Yeah, solid. Genius. I was very tired when I went to that tour. I had been kind of ill in a weird way. Like, anyway, I just remember, like, I was, my boyfriend at the time, I was like, we're going to this tour. I don't care if I sleep through the whole thing, but we did go and and it was great. But yeah. I went to that, I went to that tour that concert was it my last i think it was the day before i turned 30 right i think that's what it was i was at home was that the day it was i'll just say it was i think it was i was sitting at the the block of orange writing i'm like this is my last day before i turned 30 i gotta do something i was like well madonna is playing at the forum what if i just went by myself and like bought a ticket and it was like i don't know it was like six o'clock i'm like i gotta go now so i just like floored it to the forum Bought a scalp ticket as I drove in. I missed yes. the first two songs. I walked in while she was doing Like a Virgin. Right. And that's how I that's how I blew out my 20s, was seeing the confession tour by myself. That's like amazing. Yes, a scalp ticket situation. You got to do it. You got to yeah. do oh, it. That's, that's one of those moments where you're like, I'm glad I did that. Like, yes. What would the alternative been? I yeah. just go see a movie, go home, right. eat yeah. a burger. Like, no. No. I remember no. seeing Janet at the forum and being late. And running in, and if was if, if was happening, and it was like we're missing if we're missing, like it just the anxiety of that comes because <laughs> if miss you can't miss it, you cannot. Number of times, I'm like, yeah, yes, I, I learned that choreography <laughs> once and hurt my neck, and I look at the video of it, and I'm like, Dennis, you're too old to be doing that shit with your neck. You pay for that for six months. You know what? Worth it. Totally I mean, worth it. This, that you did this. That I learned the choreography. Yeah. Uh, it was my taught in my hip-hop class that I take, and it would have been like t- uh, 2011, 2012, something okay. like that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I could do it. I mean, I could never do it. I'm not a dancer, yeah. but that stuff, she's whipping herself yeah. around and yeah. getting on the floor That's and grabbing jumps. Yeah, we and, just did yeah. the break. Like, I never went to the floor. Oh. Although I, yeah. yeah, although sometimes when there's a combo and they're like, you don't have to go to the floor, I'm like, I go to the floor and then I regret it because I'm too old to do that. And I hurt myself. <laughs> These are real weird sidebars that nobody's, my listeners are like, you guys, it's enough. <laughs> Sorry. It's enough. It's enough with the divas. What's next? Martika? Yeah. No. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't have any Martika hey. stories, but I did like that Toy Soldier song. 
Oh, sure. And I had the Kids Incorporated soundtracks on cassette when she was in Kids Incorporated. That's solid. That's a solid yeah. thing. Oh, her and Fergie? Yeah. Sure. I have a friend yeah. that was in that, Jerry. And he sometimes posts pictures online of Kids Incorporated. I was like, that's amazing. You did that. Yeah. So People don't realize that, that the, the iconic level that that is because it was right. so specific to our generation. Yeah. And then it kind of just died, right? I don't know what yeah. happened to Kids Incorporated. Yeah. People don't talk about it. As they, they don't. Should. No. It wasn't a thing. I was a little too old for it. I didn't really quite know what it is. I was more like kids from fame. That's what I, I wanted to be a kid from fame. Uh, like, you know, with Erica Gimple, the real performers, Mia yeah. Peoples, two triple threats. All the triple threats were there. Um, so are you saying the kids incorporated kids were not true triple threats? No, I think they were. I just didn't know. I don't know their story. I don't really have a connection. Um, no, they didn't, they didn't have stories. <laughs> Um, so you do, you do, you do crowdfunding a lot for your, your stuff, right? Yeah. yeah, What's the craziest reward you've offered or the most like quirky reward? A quirky reward. You send props. People want to bid on props from your show. I've actually saved a bunch of props. I plan to auction them to finance the season two. Right on. um, And people are like, people want to buy those props. Yeah. I mean, I would too. If I'm a fan of something, I yeah. love being like, oh my God, this is the thing that I saw on the TV and now right. it's in my hands. It brings the fantasy into the reality, you know? Yeah. I like it. I, I support it. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Well, people ask for things like that. Well, here's what. my One of my guys that's in the show, his name's Alex, he offered to host a dinner at his apartment. I'm like, you'd invite people over to your home? He's like, yeah, why not? He's yeah. very like chill and open and be like, yeah. So I suppose that could be a future quirky purge. That's not happened yet. That's a good offered. thing. Yeah. It's a personal ex- experience. People, I'm all down for that. Yeah, people love experiences more than stuff. I've learned in my happiness research, apparently. Um, although stuff's think, good too. No, that's an interesting thing because I think people want the stuff, but the thing that brings true happiness is the experience. I think so. We're getting deep. We're getting deep. I know. Um, <laughs> this has been so fun we? talking to you. Um, <laughs> my final question: Everyone should go watch your stuff. Watch "Sorry I'm Weird" and "Bad Boy" and uh, and and all of your great stuff on YouTube. Um, Here's my final question. Why do you keep doing it? Why do you why do you keep making them? Because I met the gopher on the set of the love boat and ever since then all that's I all that's all you want to do stuff. Yeah. It's been my driving force since I was a child. Literally every choice I've made has been like how am I going to create? How am I going to act? How am I going to do comedy? How am I going to make people laugh? And granted, I, I weave around the road and I go different places and I try to audition for years and I, then I try to make stuff and then I try to do theater. But this, getting to do this, where there's people actually watching it, and that it's so precious to actually have an audience, that the last thing I want to do is take my hands off and, right. you know, you know d- stop fanning the flame. I want it to keep growing. And it's so yours. Nobody has to say yeah. yes to you. You don't have to wait for the phone to call. It's yours, right? Right, which makes, gives it a lot more pressure, but it's also a lot more satisfying. And also, I can make whatever I want. Right. Sometimes it succeeds, sometimes it doesn't, but, like, I didn't change it because someone told me I had to change it. Right. It's mine. Yeah. I love it. Well, well, it's inspiring. It's entertaining. It's been so fun to talk to you. Everybody go watch uh, Artie's stuff. It's so funny. And I can't wait. When, when does the Bad Boy Holiday special come out for this holiday? I think December 4th. I think December it'll be the first 4th. Sunday. As long as I edit it fast enough. Yeah. I mean, Get to like work. Weeks or two Get weeks. to work. Yeah, I will be. Yes. <laughs> I'm on it. No Madonna YouTubing for you until you get this episode done. That's what it's about. How will I live? I All right. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bye. Man. Bye. 
Thanks again to RDO Daily. Watch his web series on YouTube, Sorry I'm Weird and also Bad Boy. Uh, that's a deep dive. There's so many fun episodes of that. Uh, I, I kind of got lost in it and uh, laughed my head off. So check it out. Also, he's got a website, rtodaily.com. Okay, so this happened. I'm just going to break down my Thanksgiving weekend because it was a marathon of food and fun. So um, Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, uh, a few friends and I went to see To Kill a Mockingbird at the Pantages here in Los Angeles. To Kill a Mockingbird is the show written by Aaron Sorkin based on the classic novel by Harper Lee. It took Broadway by storm a few years ago, and then it's been kind of on my dream board ever since. And I finally got to see it uh, post-pandemic here in Los Angeles. And I was surprised at how contemporary it felt and how Sorkin was able to use this classic story to really look at today, even in the language. I was like, wow, this feels really contemporary. Um, Also, one of my little Easter egg moments is the actress that played Scout is named Melanie Moore, who was season eight's winner on So You Think You Can Dance, my favorite show. So what a talent, like that you can win that show and be that good and versatile of a dancer and then play Scout, who's like uh, 10 years younger than you, or 15, um, (laughs) uh, in this great tour. So there's this one thing about the show that I've been thinking about ever since, which is the set is very um, evocative and beautiful and they did a great job. But there's one piece of it, these stairs that the actors themselves have to move. The porch swings out and then an actor will push or, or pull in the stairs. And it's something that I just noticed throughout the show. And sometimes it would be like, you know, one of the smaller roles to do the stairs and, or else sometimes it was like a, a major character doing the stairs. And I thought about that later. I thought, you know what? I think if I were in that show, I would be happy to do the stairs. Like, I feel like there are two kinds of people in this world people that want to move the stairs and people that don't, that are too uh, above it. And I think I'm a stair mover and I like to associate with stair movers. Um, and I mentioned this phenomenon later, my observation that, you know what, you can't be too cool to move stairs in this life. And um, other friends that saw the show with me said they were distracted by the stair moving and really thought that the bigger roles, like I think maybe Richard Thomas himself who played Atticus Finch, he might've moved the stairs. Um, and they thought that was inappropriate. So <laughs> ask yourself this this holiday season, are you a stair mover or not? If you were in that show, um, how would you feel about it? I'm happy to pitch in for the good of the collective. That's me. That's just who I am in my heart. All right, so that's that show. Uh, Thursday, Thanksgiving, I went to my friend Brett's. Uh, I often spend Thanksgiving with him and a few other friends in Palm Springs, but this time we did it in town. Um, it was delicious. It was an eaterama and just a lovely time. And so... The next day, I went back to Brett's, my friend. He's a, a makeup artist. He was one of my very first guests when I started doing Dennis Anyone. He works on all kinds of um, famous people doing their makeup. And every once in a while, like once a year, he decides we're going to do a fun photo shoot, just a few of us guys. And he will send a text like, here's a link to a mermaid tail on Amazon. You get a mermaid tail. We're doing a photo shoot next Thursday or whatever it is. And so this year, <laughs> and I just like, I do it. It's fun. It's silly. I don't know. Like, sometimes we don't go out at all. We just do the photo shoot and take pictures in the makeup, and that's it. That's the end. (laughs) But it's so fun. I love it. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. We're going to be ex-murderers? Fine. So this year, uh, the directive was um, we're going to get antlers, and we're going to do zombie deer. Uh, That was our our directive. We're going to do zombie deer. And so we gathered around 2.30 at Brett's, and he starts doing everyone's makeup. 
and he's so good at it. And we all look great. And we have the, even the little do- the deer dots kind of up on our foreheads and the zombie face, like just adorable for zombie deers. But anyway, <laughs> um, and we did the photo shoot, it was super fun. And then, but this time we decided not to just, uh, not share our makeup with the world. So we decided, I got tickets a little while back to go see Dawn of the Dead, the classic 1978 horror movie at the American Cinematheque in Santa Monica, the Arrow Theater in Santa Monica. So we're going to go as zombie deers to Dawn of the Dead, the screening, right? And so we get there and we walk in and first of all, the ticket takers were so excited to see us. They got such a kick out of it because we were afraid people just think we're weirdos. Um, But they... They gave us a nice welcome, and uh, it was a great crowd, but it wasn't a cluster, so it was kind of perfect. Um, there were still, you know, seats. It wasn't packed, and one of the actors from the film was there. Um, his name's Ken Forey, and he played the role of Peter, African-American actor. Now, my friends are really into horror movies and have seen it a bunch of times, but I had never seen this movie, and so before the movie started, we got our picture taken with Ken Forey, who kind of looked like, what are we doing with these tears? Like, um... And also, like, he came here to sell autograph photos and posters and stuff, and now he's taking a picture with a bunch of gay deers that are zombies. But um, one of the people in my group, Danny, who's very good at supporting creative endeavors, he bought a poster um, and had Ken sign it. So I felt like he covered for us in terms of the give and take of it all. Um, so we got our picture with Ken, and then the movie started, and I was kind of knocked out by it. I... You know, at the time, people were freaked out about the gore because it was in color and it was super bloody. But the blood looked like, I don't know, it looked like nail polish. It, it was kind of like candy apple red and it just didn't, it wasn't that gross to me or like scary even. But the character stuff was really interesting. They end up holed up in this mall. There's four of them. There's a helicopter weather chopper guy and his um, girlfriend who's pregnant who works at the station um, and then there's these two SWAT guys, Ken Furry and this other shorter guy, um, that end up holed up in this mall and they're trying to sort of uh, fend off the zombies. But they end up sort of setting up house there and trying to live. And the way they cooperated with each other and the way they sort of grew to care for each other and become friends, I found it very poignant. And also I think it said something about our society, which is we can get past our differences if we you know, have a little faith in each other. And I, I don't know, I found, I found it kind of sweet in a way. Um, and so there you go. I, I was like deep thoughts about Dawn of the Dead, but I understand why it's a classic. And I think George A. Romero really does say things in his horror movies that, that are profound. So I, I still can't, I'm still thinking about the character stuff. I'm not thinking about, I'm not having nightmares about zombies. Uh, so afterwards, Ken, uh, Ken Foree goes up and does a Q&A, and he loves to tell stories and can get going on tangents. So it was there. we were there for a while, and my friend Danny joked that he kept wanting Ken to go, where my deer at? <laughs> so I'm obsessed with where my deer at. <laughs> like, 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 there's always deer in the crowd. So where are they at, at this, in this particular crowd? So um, anyway, that was a really, it was t- such a blast. Everything worked. The pictures, the whole thing was a blast. I loved the movie. Ken Furry was there. He went on forever about everything. But um, you could tell that it meant a lot to him to be part of something that's endured so much. And the fans were eating it up. And it was awesome. So that was Dawn of the Dead. That was, what day was that? That was Friday. So Saturday, I go to Book Soup. Remember bookstores? They're a thing. 
and I see David Ambrose read from his book, A Place Called Home. And I had David on the podcast about a month ago, but I'd never actually met him in person. So it was fun to go to the bookstore. A few friends came along. He, he read beautifully from the book and then took questions. And he is so up on the state of homelessness in America, in Los Angeles. He had numbers and figures and things that we're doing better at and things that were or, you know, ways that we need to improve. And it was just such a, such an informative um, uh, afternoon in terms of that topic, which a lot of people are thinking and talking about. And I think he should run for office someday. He's very, very impressive. So that was fun. And then Saturday night, I went and saw with some friends Glass Onion, the Knives Out sequel. And I will give away nothing in the story, also, mainly because I don't remember it. <laughs> Um, I tend to go right where people want me to go, makers. I'm not like somebody that's trying to always think ahead and outsmart them. And I know who did it. Like, I'm just along for the ride. But at the end of the movie, which is really fun, I really enjoyed it. At the end of the movie, the credits are rolling. And this woman sort of, it's still dark, kind of walks out in front of the AMC screen in Burbank and goes, Hey, did you enjoy the movie? And we're like, yeah. Like, who is this? It kind of had that energy of like somebody on the street kind of losing it and just yelling. And she goes, oh, I'm glad you guys liked it. I'm glad. I, I'm Janelle Monet, And I'm like, oh, shit. Janelle Monet, who's in the movie, did one of those drop-ins at AMC Burbank. She's the new Nicole Kidman. We come to this place for magic. She came to that place for magic. And you always hear about stars popping into random screenings, but I've never been there when that happened. And so that was cool. And luckily, everyone was, like, enthusiastic. Nobody was like, mm, it was all right, like, before we knew who it was. We were into it. So... There you go. One of the cooler things about living in Los Angeles. All right. That's a lot. That's a lot of fun packed in. But um, I'm grateful for all the good times and the good friends and the good food and the good things in my life. So it was nice to have a weekend to celebrate all of that. All right. That's enough. Thank you so much for listening. Shout out to AJ Sousa for mixing the episodes. JB Bercy for his additional technical support. My theme music is by Mark Daniels for Placement Music. We'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye. Bye.